to receive salvation, all we've got to do is take Jesus as Simeon did, personally, with the proper perspective that he is everything that we need. Amen? Uh, so we're, we're, still, uh, we're still pausing. Uh, Hebrews, we, last week we talked about we thought about Christmas. Christmas was coming this week. Uh, we're still going to talk about Christmas a little bit, and I hope that you had a, a great Christmas day uh, on Wednesday, a couple of days ago. And uh, that's what I mean. You have, you have Christmas Eve, we go to church. Christmas Day, stay at home. Boxing Day is that day after Christmas when you're not really sure what what's going on. And then the 27th is the 27th, and then... You forget it's Friday. Uh, but anyway, so well done for coming to church. But I uh, hope you had a great Christmas with the, the, the God's expressed love for you in the person of Jesus as central. And uh, what we said last week, didn't we, that it's the ultimate display of God's love for you, that he, he personally uh, took action to show how much he loved you and that that's what we celebrate um, at this time of year. The fact that he loves us so much, but now that the day of Christmas um, has gone, and I'm sure, as a kid, like I said last week, it makes you a little bit sad. It probably makes you a little bit sad now that it's 364 days until we do our Christmas Day again. But I just want you to think, uh, what did Christmas bring for you? What did Christmas bring for you? Uh, I'm not talking uh, about socks, although if you're a male, you, you probably did. Uh, get some socks, maybe in a, a jazzy little multi-pack of socks, and they're your socks for the coming year. Uh, if you're a lady, you probably got some kind of soap, and that's your soap for the coming year. Um, but uh, what, did, what did Christmas bring for you? Did you get everything that you wanted for Christmas? I know you wanted those socks, and I know you wanted those soaps uh, and those chocolates and the like, but did you get everything that you wanted? And uh, did you get everything that you needed for Christmas. Now, I wonder if you could tell me maybe even 50% of the stuff that you need in your life. Um, we're not going to, this is not like Christmas Eve where we had some raucous uh, audience participation, but I just wonder if you could tell me uh, even 50% of the stuff that you need in your life. And because of Christmas then, because of the incarnation, because of the coming of Jesus, uh, we as individuals and as a church body, as a, as a global church, wherever you want to think along that scale, individual you to global church, we're all equipped with everything that we ever need, whether we know that we need it or not. Everything that we ever need to live the life that God made you uh, to live, and we said last week that our greatest need, as uh, fallen and sinful people, uh, is forgiveness. And we said maybe a couple of months ago now in Hebrews that uh, there was some research done that if everybody in um, psychiatric hospitals could be convinced that they are forgiven for the wrong that they've done in the past, then three quarters of them could, could would be well enough to leave. So knowing that you are forgiven is that big of a deal. And we said last week that our greatest need is forgiveness, and we were given a Savior. So uh, today then we're going to talk, we're going to think beyond Christmas. So Christmas Day has happened, uh, but what does that mean? What does that come with? So basically, what did Christmas bring for you? 
Um, we're going to jump around a little bit, so you're going to need nimble fingers um, or thumbs if you're on your phone or whatnot. Uh, so the first place we're going to go is Second Peter. Uh, it's quite near the back of your Bible. It's probably easiest to start at the back and go back through Revelation, Jude, and the Johns. Then we get to Second Peter, and we're going to read from Second Peter chapter one, verses three. And four. So Second Peter one verses three and four say his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So just look with me there in, in, in verse 3. The, his divine power, the, 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 the divine power, the godly power of Jesus has given us everything that we need as a believer in him for life and godliness. So then when we think about that question, what did Christmas bring for you? The first thing is, is right there. Christmas brought us everything. Christmas brought us and, and, and brings us everything that we need to live the life that God made you to live. The life of, of loving others, the life focused on others, the life with a purpose. Um, there's no more for us now searching and kind of knocking around in the dark and trying to Look for meaning and how do you live your life? What's my life about? You know, all that kind of stuff. We see that through the godly power, the divine power of Jesus, he's given us all things that we need for life and godliness. He has shown us what that looks like. And I read recently that knowing God is the key to all of this. And look with me again uh, in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. So the word, we read a, couple, a few different places in the word that no one has ever seen God. No one's ever seen the Father. So how do we know him? Well, we look at his creation. Uh, we look at his word. And we look at the person of Jesus. So if you just think about people, think about some people in your life and uh, but just, uh, just people, 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 people are willing to try. And maybe this was you. Maybe this was you before you accepted that gift uh, of divine, the divine power of Jesus, giving you everything that you need for life and goodness. Maybe this was you. People spend uh, all sorts of uh, money and time and, and, and whatnot to try and improve their lives, don't they? People spend dollars, dinars, pounds, um, dinars, reals, whatever. People spend loads of money on books and seminars and DVDs and online classes to improve your life, to improve their lives. People want to live, uh, people want to live their best life now, which is uh, kind of shouldn't be so as a believer because if you think that everything that is with us now is going to be better then uh, when we go to be with the Lord forever in, in his presence in heaven, then it's kind of a sad thing, isn't it, that this is, this is as good as it gets. But people try all sorts of stuff to improve their life, except 
kept, as we read here, the knowledge of him. Now notice with me, this doesn't say his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness when you feel a certain way about your faith or when you do certain things and tick the boxes. It says, well, it doesn't say when you really get to know yourself as well, when you look deep within and blossom yourself, stuff like that. It says through the knowledge of him, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And we've said a few times, so you'll probably say it again, that we know, don't we, the Bible wasn't written in contemporary English. This part of the Bible was written in a, in a particular dialect of Greek. And the word here that we read as knowledge doesn't mean a kind of casual friend. It doesn't mean somebody that you're Facebook friends with. So you're friends, but you've never actually spoken to them in real life with your mouth or looked at them in real life with your eyes. It's not something that you follow on Instagram that you like to, who likes your pictures and you're like, yeah, we're kind of friends now because he likes my pictures. It's, or maybe, maybe you're kind of new to church and you've got some Friday friends in here. Uh, Robin and I did when we first arrived at church. We had a lot of Friday friends. You know, you, you know what I mean? You come to church and you get a cup of tea and you talk to your Friday friends. And then you sit in church. And then you talk to your Friday friends out the back. And then you say to your Friday friends, I'll see you next Friday. And you don't see them. You don't speak to them. You don't interact with them through the week because they're your Friday friends. You come to church and there's your Friday friends that you sit with. We're sitting together. Sure, we'll sit together Friday. But this, is, this is not what it talks about. Jesus cannot be your Friday friend. Jesus is not your, somebody you follow on Instagram or you kind of interact with on Facebook now and again and like, like all his pictures and say, wow, amazing. The, 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 we read here the word knowledge. It means it's, a, it's an exact knowledge. It's a complete knowledge. It's a thorough knowledge. This is, this, is, this is deep. This is not like, yeah, I see that guy on Friday. I think I know his name. I'm just going to call him brother just to be safe. Hi, brother. How's your week? Very good. See you next week, brother. Thinking, don't know his name. This is, a, this is a deep, exact, complete knowledge. And this is what we are all called to. Not just a few people, the few with the privilege and the pleasure to teach the word. So you need to know because you're going to teach other people. This is, this is for everybody. We are all called to have the, this deep, exact, complete knowledge of him. And when you think about it, Christmas adds such a depth to this and such a richness to this because what we need to, to, to know, what we need to really understand came and, and walked and lived and spoke and had his life documented. And we read of the people, we read words from those who spent time with him. Are you with me? So Christmas adds such a depth to this, this knowledge that we could never have before because what we need to know, the, the, the Word of God came and lived among us. We come to this knowledge of Him then as we learn of Him through His Word uh, when we pray and commune with Him. We talked about Christmas um, last week and we said that uh, it's like the, the new mum going out for lunch to celebrate her new baby but not taking the baby with her. Christmas that we... Is a good example of the the general truth that we spend time with him, and you get to know people when you spend time with them. 
So we get to know, we come to this knowledge of him through his word, through prayer and communing with him, spending time with him, but then through, through, through this, through the community of God's people. And it's, it's true that we do need God as individuals. There are no kind of, uh, we're not in the Old Testament where uh, the, the, the blessing and the kind of the covenant was with the, the nation of Israel. There's no magic covering that you can come in on a Friday and now be a part of. It's an individual thing. It's, it's you and your faith and your relationship with him. Uh, but God doesn't just meet us in our alone time, does he? Otherwise, there will be no need for us to, to be us. We could just stay home. We could be those kind of people who say stuff like, I don't need church. I study the Bible for myself, which is actually proof that you don't study the Bible. Because if you did, you would know that coming to church and being a part of something like this, a, a community of believers uh, where Jesus is the center and Jesus is the head, it's not really an option. So we come to the knowledge of him through his word, through prayer, communing with him and the community of his people. Uh, we've said before, his church uh, now is... Uh, is, is God's vehicle, his, his chosen method of blessing the nations. And if the church is centered on Jesus, if he's the head of the church, when we come together, when we gather together, we grow in our knowledge of him. And again, uh, for the believer, being a part of a Christ-centered church, this is not some kind of possessive weird thing where we're going to lock the doors and make you promise that this is, that you, you know, you're part of this church. Now that's it. But being a part of a Christ-centered church where the word is taught, uh, I don't know what to say, properly, that is, is, is not an option for a believer. So the first thing then, the Christmas, the incarnation, the coming of Jesus, what did it bring to us? Uh, it brings to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. He came and it brings this level of accessible knowledge to us that was just never there for the first, what, 78%. Their faith was future-based. We're looking forward. We're hoping. We're believing God that somebody's going to come and put this right. And for us, he's, he, he was born. And he walked and he lived and he spoke and people wrote it down. And then his Holy Spirit inspired others to, to build on what he had said. So that's the first thing that Christmas brought us. There's this, this knowledge, this, this everything, everything that we need for life and godliness. A big part of the, the everything, the knowledge, is a right and proper perspective. And what I mean by that is you, you see things in relation to other things uh, properly. So just think this week back to uh, Wednesday? When, think, think back to Wednesday, think back to Christmas Day, the 25th. How you felt when you unwrapped those gifts when somebody wraps something up to you, uh, and if you're a, a, a male, uh, your gift was probably immaculately wrapped, like nice neat corners, maybe a triangle fold to, to cover the, the other folds and whatnot. If, if you're a lady, uh, you probably got a gift. Uh, <laughs> I ran out of paper uh, on Christmas Eve. Because uh, obviously Christmas Eve's the day when you wrap the gifts, isn't it? You come on from church, you wrap the gifts for Christmas Day. Uh, so <laughs> Robin received one gift this week that was wrapped in a, in a carrier bag, in a plastic bag. But to, in my defense, I turned it inside out 
so she couldn't tell what the shop was, and did my best to stick down the handles. And I just, it was some like eco-friendly wrapping paper, like Merry Christmas. It's purple and plastic. But um, when you unwrapped those gifts this week, how did you feel? <laughs> Maybe if you were Robin, you felt a bit sad, but uh, hard done to. But you felt, what did you feel? What did you think? Maybe you felt like, just for the moment at least, you can admit this, it's all right, it's a safe space. You felt like in that moment, you've got it all together. My life could not be any more complete now because I have seven pairs of socks for the coming year. You know, like, <laughs> you just, your life could not be more complete. Now you've got this gift. And, you know, we know that that wears off pretty quickly, doesn't it? Uh, as soon as you <laughs> come back to your senses and you see that it's a gift that somebody's given you and it's great. But the, we, we've talked before about this greater gift, uh, that, that, that feeling of your life could be no more complete, will never leave you if you've accepted the gift of Jesus into your life. Amen? It was a lot louder on Christmas Eve, I must say, to get those kids back in next week. Uh, now that Jesus has come, and, and, and we said that we've got this level of accessible knowledge, now... We're in that through faith in him. Now you are complete, truly. Or you've got the opportunity to be made uh, complete through your faith in him. But the proper perspective then, that shouldn't make you think that now I've got it all together. Now I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. Uh, it shouldn't produce in us this sense of I'm now, now I'm all set. I'm finished, I'm, all, I'm, I'm sufficient, uh, because we know, don't we, that without, without, uh, without him in our lives, we know that we're not, uh, we're not all set, we're not done and dusted, we're not the finished article. And we know, because his word tells us, and we know it in our own lives, uh, we're, a, we're a work in progress. So the perspective then that, um, that Christmas brings to you is radically different from what the world will tell you. The world wants you to think uh, that you are strong, you are independent, you don't need nobody, you're an island of solitude, a bit like where Batman lives. If you've seen the Lego Batman movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you've got kids in kids' church, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you're strong, you're independent, you are a free-spirited, free-thinking, uh, free-to-choose, freedom-fighter who's free. The, the world wants you to think that you can make it on your own and you don't need nobody and um, you're, you're free, basically. But Christmas, the, the incarnation, God uh, piercing that space and time journey that we are on as people to live among us, to die for us, to atone for our sins, shows us that, that really um, we're not naturally good. And we are not naturally strong. We are dependent on him and one another. Uh, that we are broken in spirit. We are depraved in thinking. And by, by our, just by our nature, if we are left to our own devices, we will always at least entertain seriously the idea, probably choose the, the, the wrong choice, if we're honest. Left to our own devices, we're just going to choose or seriously think about doing 
the wrong thing of any given choice. And uh, Christmas then shows us that we, we need Him, we need Jesus to be tr- all that we were made uh, to be. So somebody called R. Kent Hughes, a writer from yesteryear, said that Christianity always begins with a spirit of need. We've got to realize, we've got to realize and accept the bad news about ourselves before we accept the good news. We've got to realize that we, that we need that Savior uh, that God sent as our greatest gift because it won't be forced upon you. It's not a it's not a forced freedom, and it's not a forced love. We've got to realize that we need it. We've got to accept it. And God didn't, on that first advent, all those years ago, take on flesh, forever wed himself to humanity to force you to love him. A forced love is not a real love, is it? So he didn't come to the self-sufficient Either, did he? Uh, Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, you know, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor, don't they? If you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor. He said, uh, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know and acknowledge that they are sinners. So the, the perspective is there, isn't it? So if you think you're doing all right, uh, on your own, is a free-spirited, free-to-choose, free-thinking, freedom fighter. Uh, if you think you're doing all right, then think about Christmas and think again, because <laughs> because you're you're not you're not doing all right by yourself. None of us do all right by ourselves, do we? Uh, the fact that he came is proof, evidence that we are not doing all right by ourselves. It's it's proof, it's evidence. It's also a guarantee, as as we've said, that he keeps his word. He he promised, this was promised for millennia. And he came. And really, really simply, if he wasn't needed, if if we could make it on our own, if we could keep the covenant, if if we could then we, we would have, wouldn't we? Uh, healthy people don't go to the doctor. They don't seek out help if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you don't need help. We've said that as, we, as we're walking through Hebrews, this kind of thinking that uh, if, it's not, if something's not broken, then you don't fix it. That's really, really simple, isn't it? Everybody can understand that. If something's not broken, you don't try and fix it. So the fact that uh, Jesus came is proof, is evidence that we are, we are broken, aren't we? As individuals, we are all broken. Um, as a church, uh, church here, small c, church in the world, uh, big c, the church is just a gathering of people who know that they're broken, who admit that they're broken, who admit that they need forgiveness, who admit that they need a savior. So we are broken as individuals, we're broken as groups of people, and, and, and bigger picture you turn on the news and we're broken as we're just broken as people. But now we've got this proper perspective. We see our brokenness for what it is. And we, when we see ourselves like this, we can't not 
see other people like this and it just ramps up that motivation to share it with other people. We've got this proper perspective on our brokenness and we're told to go and share that with others, that there is a way to be uh, fixed, uh, forgiven, that there is a truth that fixes us and that there is a life lived and given for us that fixes us and that all takes us to Jesus, doesn't it? So, when we, when we, when we see this perspective, uh, perspective is so important in our lives, it, it influences so much what we do, doesn't it? So I read recently of a young couple who rented um, a vacation cottage or a holiday home, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and one afternoon, the husband is looking out the window and he says, let's go and get changed. Let's change our clothes and go outside for some exercise. And his wife, in a different room, uh, looks out the window and says, yes, that'd be fantastic. So he's looking out the window and he sees the swimming pool. She's in a different room and she looks outside and sees people playing tennis. So when they go away and get changed and change their clothes, they come back together. He's wearing his swimming costume, clothes, togs, whatever you want to call them. He's dressed for swimming. She's dressed for tennis. Because again, how we look at things and what we're looking at influences so much what we do, doesn't it? And perspective is so important. And a proper perspective is so important. So, Christmas, everything we ever need for, for life and for godliness, a right and proper perspective. And we've just sung about this, that Christmas brought into the, the world in general, big picture, Christmas brought into the world our salvation. So really quickly, we'll set the scene. Uh, we've got young Jesus, baby Jesus, taken to the temple in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 22-23. This is before the wise men arrived. So next year, when you set up your nativity at home, put the wise men somewhere else, kind of looking like they're coming. But they're not there. And if you want to be really biblically accurate, build a little tower, like we read of in Micah, and put Jesus there. Do away with the straw and the donkeys. Build a tower. Put him in the tower. Wise men are coming. Maybe 18 months, two years later. You can put shepherds there. That's fine. And there's an angel or a million if you've got a million. But we can, we can, the wise men are coming later. And uh, so Jesus, taken to the temple, Luke chapter 2, before the wise men arrived, his earthly parents, Mary, Joseph, uh, we debated quite strongly on Christmas Eve that Christmas is not about Joseph, but they offer the required sacrifice for him as part of this dedication ceremony for families that couldn't afford to give a lamb. And that's another piece of, actually, the wise men couldn't have come yet because they were giving a, a poor person sacrifice and they brought him gold. So we're in Luke chapter 2 and we read, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled 
at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So here's Simeon. Uh, this righteous, devout man that we read of uh, in Luke chapter 2. He is uh, waiting for the Messiah, for the Redeemer, for the consolation of Israel, we read. And he takes up Jesus in his arms, baby Jesus, and he blesses God. He loves this baby. He's only just um, met this, if you, if you meet babies, he's only just met this baby, but he loves this baby, so to speak, because, because he knows uh, who this baby is, and he knows what this baby is bringing into the world. He knows that this baby is bringing salvation into the world. And Simeon, Simeon knew that. Did you see? If, you, if you've not turned there in your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Simeon knew, notice with me what he said. He said, um, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So this is for all peoples. This is not just for Jews. This is for Gentiles also. Everyone, salvation for everybody, no matter who you are, where you're from, is here in this baby that he is carrying. So Mary and Joseph, they'd been told they knew that, that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, we, we know that from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. But maybe they'd not understood the, 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 the kind of the global scale of what this child would accomplish. Because we read, don't we, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So they knew he was the Messiah. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they're not really understood it in the, in, in, with proper perspective. Maybe they're just thinking, well, you know, it's for our people, maybe just for Israel. Simeon says, no, look, it's going to be for everybody, the entire cosmos. And from this, then we see that Jesus was then and is now and always will be in the future, God's plan of salvation for all mankind. Amen. Jesus was and is and always will be God's plan of salvation for mankind. Simeon saw this with his own eyes. Simeon saw it and Simeon knew. He knew that he had seen the Lord's salvation, a light for revelation, a light of knowledge that brings forth knowledge, something that we didn't know before is now being revealed and the glory of God for his people. This, this, the glory of look. These promises are all true. We promised this was coming, and it has now come. And I wonder, I wonder then if, if, if you've ever seen Jesus like Simeon saw Jesus, as your own personal salvation, not just somebody that we maybe sing about at Christmas, uh, the tiny baby that we put in our nativity scenes. I wonder if you've ever seen Jesus like Simeon saw Jesus as your own personal salvation, as a revelation of who God is, a walking, talking, recorded knowledge of God, as the glory of God walking and talking in human flesh. And if you have, 
then Christmas should be a time that fills you with great joy because you get to share this, you get to talk about this with other people, to other people, and you do your earthly best to, to manifest that to others. You try and live that for other people to see. And if you haven't, if you've never seen Jesus, as Simeon saw Jesus as personal salvation, as a revelation of who God is, and as, as the, the glory of God walking and talking. If you haven't, then all it takes is faith. We've said this so many times as we're walking through Hebrews. Believe in him, put trust in him, believe him, take him at his word. And the gift that you will receive this Christmas uh, will, like we've said, it, it, it'll complete you. That feeling of my life couldn't be any more complete. will never leave you. Uh, the gift you receive at Christmas will be the, the best the best gift you've ever been given, the gift that you need the most in your life, forgiveness and life eternal. So we can think about it, we can think about it like this. To receive salvation, all we've got to do is take Jesus as Simeon did. Personally, with a proper perspective that he is everything that we need. Amen? So for us to receive salvation, all we've got to do is take Jesus as Simeon did personally with a proper perspective that he is everything that we need for salvation. So what did Christmas bring for you? A light. There's so many things that we could say. A, a light that shines on you to help you see yourself in truth, that proper perspective, a light that shines so brightly and, and with so much love that we're just inescapably drawn towards this truth and grace and love, a light that reveals God, as uh, Simeon said, a light that reveals his purposes as never before, gives us this level of accessible knowledge that we just it was never available to us before, and it's a light for the entire world, isn't it? Um, Athanasius of Alexandria, who lived between the years of 297 and 373, said about Christmas, What then? What then was God to do? What else could he possibly do, being God, seeing how things were going? What else could he possibly do but renew his image in mankind so that through it men might once more come to know him? And how could this be done apart from the coming of the very image himself, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, mankind couldn't have done it, for they are made in the image. Angels couldn't have done it because they're not made in the image. The Word of God came in his own person because it was, because it was he alone, the image of the Father, who could recreate man made after this image. So, what did Christmas bring for us? It brought us everything that we need for, for life, for godliness. It brings us a proper perspective, this, the, the, the image of God walking, talking, living among us, dying for us. It, it brought us everything, it brought us proper perspective. And Christmas brings into the world our salvation, doesn't it? So we'll finish with this then, once again, that to receive salvation, all we've got to do is take Jesus as Simeon did, personally, with the proper perspective that he is everything that we need. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're going to spend a moment also in personal prayer.
and uh, I'd like us to consider just for 30 seconds or a minute, have we seen Jesus as Simeon did? Have we, have we seen him as our personal salvation? Have we seen him as a revelation of who God is? As we, have we seen him as the glory of God? And does Christmas time fill you with the great joy of good news? Or is it something that you look forward to a lot, but then it never really meets your expectations? And what you really need is to fill Christmas time uh, with, with, with Jesus. So we'll spend just a moment or so in personal prayer, uh, and then I'm going to ask that you join me uh, as we raise our holy hand in prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we gather, we assemble as, as your church at Sar Fellowship. And again, we, we pray that all we do here is Christ-centered and we freely and willingly acknowledge that he is the head of this church. We pray that as we gather uh, each week as, uh, as, as a body, as we, as we gather in each other's homes during the week, as we spend time with you in your word, that we grow in the knowledge of you through, the, through your word, through the, the through experiencing uh, your majesty in creation and through uh, the, the person and the work of Jesus. Father, we come before you and we ask forgiveness. Uh, we confess that we, uh, we are not naturally good. We, we, we know that we need that forgiveness, Father. We accept that we are uh, individuals and a community of, of broken people in just dire need of your life-changing, life-saving and life-giving grace. Father, we, uh, we ask forgiveness for, for, for things we have done and said and, and, and thought this week, Father, that don't reflect uh, the, the life that you made us to live. Uh, and we know that your word tells us that your mercies are new each morning. And we've got, when we, when we look to the empty tomb, Father, as, as, uh, as the ultimate proof that we are forgiven. We thank you. For Christmas, that first Christmas, all those years ago when your love for us was, um, was expressed through the birth, through the coming of Jesus, Father. And we pray that as we go back out, um, that we can keep this as central to this time of year, that we can keep it central to our lives. And Father, we, we know that we naturally, we're going to drop the ball. We know that naturally we, we can't do this. So we pray uh, for your indwelling Holy Spirit to fill us fill us afresh, to fill us with uh, the desire to serve you, the desire to know you, the desire to love you. Father, we, we know that we can't do this by ourselves, so we need, uh, we need your help with this, and we know that the Holy Spirit is the perfect person to help us with this, Father, so fill us afresh today. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you in Jesus' name.